Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Kelly Anchors and Violets of Bipolar Bitch. How are y'all doing today? Killing it. Yay. Happy to be here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm so... I'm going to steal your weather corner. No, do it. It is so damn nice outside. Mm. I can't yeah. even fucking handle it. Well, was that last week that it went from like warm to snowing to warm we're not warm to snowing to warm but like warm to snowing to like 50s and now it's it's been it's been just consistently like springy I, I think we've i think we've bucked winter finally <laughs> I so know. i want to i want to tell you all the i want to tell you all the um the story behind or the thinking behind daniel's weather corner because i feel like i haven't mentioned it in the show in a while um i'm definitely surprised <laughs> the thing that's really funny to me is there's a usually like a day or two delay between when we record and when we release. And it's also kind of like, this is also kind of referential to the dates that we put on the podcast. So I've had, I've had like maybe three or four people ask me ever about this, but like we have, um, we put the date that we record, not the date that it's released. And so people are always like, Oh, what are the, what does the date actually mean? And it's like, yeah, that's when we recorded it. Cause I think that the, like conceptually the idea of like when you, when we record it is very funny to me. And I imagine that because we do so much like, we we uploaded in our archive like so many of the artists that we know like that we've had on the podcast like i imagine that someone in a hundred years from now is going to be like who was this person and they're going to find our interview and i just want to make that person laugh and so (laughs) i like the idea of them opening up this podcast and then the first two minutes we're just like talking about the weather <laughs> for some reason that's really funny to me I, and it's, i didn't it's know never... we were ever going to get to the weather corner i was like i think he forgot that we were headed for the weather corner <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i'm the king of tangent okay good like management we're that is my that, that is my move that. yeah well i I'm, i want to get into this because we've been talking a bit we had a bit of a pre-interview um but the concept is like so fascinating so i'm wondering if you'd be willing to introduce to our audience the the project the so it is i guess it's a play i i think more and more people are describing it as an experience and i love that Mm. sort of a happening but the idea is something i've been working on for a long long time how it turned out is very different i never imagined it in the way that it's turned out but the idea was to take an audience on a ride through a, I, we all have bipolar, Violet's bipolar, I'm bipolar, we're bipolar, but to take the audience on an inside in your brain experience of a manic trip. Mm. And that can, in just some sort of general way for me to throw out, be kind of like the idea of an LSD trip. Mm. So um, even though it can be annoying to be around a person who's in mania, experiencing mania it's actually pretty awesome to be manic until you get all the way to the sky and then you know you break and you have to go to the hospital but a lot of very cool things happen so it was this idea of how do we bring people on this trip with us Mm. and so i think we've done a really really great job of achieving that mission um but it is in a way i did not i did not foresee um I ended up seeing Violet singing in a bar. It was never going to be musically based. It was always going to be words and images and art, but never music. And 
Violet was singing and she was amazing. But the most important thing is she said halfway through that she was bipolar. And I just couldn't stop thinking about her and I couldn't think of, stop thinking about the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll never know what's in your head when you're writing, <clears throat> but your the words to your songs, we used the music. Violet wrote all the music, but I think you wrote the music all before the show. Yeah. The words are just as if you wrote the music for the show. It, it just kind of panned out because I'm bipolar as hell that the lyrics were just kind of innately bipolar enough to work for the play. I want to I want to <laughs> um, unpack this a little more because I think sure. this is really interesting. Like, especially, you know, we kind of touched on in the pre-interview, like talking about like how much uh, like culturally we're coming to like a reckoning of understanding what these things mean like these experiences mean and and with bipolar like the 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 disorder is like so uh um there's such a stigma i guess Mm -hmm. like stereotype like it's it's thrown around just you know for so many different things like so i'm curious for for you as art makers like when you when you're tackling this especially as people that have it like have is that the right word terminology anyway uh, sorry you can call me having it that's for mm-hmm. sure <laughs> that sure as fuck like, have it <laughs> that too i want to say too like if the, like as far as if there's more stuff that we're we always like I, it's just fascinating let me let me get into the actual question like how have you navigated the degree of like uh, i don't know education like or understanding like how when you're when you're when you were as you've been working on this project um how has how have you been managing the expectation of what someone that maybe doesn't understand what bipolar is it would be having in the audience i mean i'm just going to start by saying that you know i'm in my 50s and i really credit all you kiddos out there that are so open and refusing to suppress whatever you are i'm completely humbled and amazed by that because you know I just really grew I grew up in the south and I really grew up in a time where people weren't honest about their sexuality or Mm. you know even like we were poor and I pretended like we weren't and you know all of that and I will tell you in five minutes of meeting you that I'm an alcoholic and I'm in recovery I will tell you in 10 minutes of meeting you that I've gone through bankruptcy I will tell you all this but I would not tell people that I have bipolar. I just, that has embarrassed me. I've had a lot of shame over it, pain. So for me, just, you know, a year ago to just say it out loud and I'm still struggle with it, even at work, you know, I still struggle with it and, but I'm getting so much better. So I just decided I was done being ashamed and embarrassed of something that I was born with Mm -hmm. and it's hard as hell and people like Carrie Fisher really did help me people that were saying this is the way it is and it's really hard and so I actually have a podcast and that's what it's all about which is exploring openly what it's like to live in this world Mm -hmm. with bipolar so that's and what is that podcast called it's called um bipolar vortex tales from the dot it's called Bipolar Vortex Tales from the Tunnel. And cool. it's at www.vortexstories.com. It's all it's all people with vi- bipolar. And um, Violet was actually my most recent mm-hmm. interview. Cool. Yeah. I, that is such a... Uh, 
that I want to touch on too, because I think that's an interesting, not interesting. It's important. Um, the idea that it, that this show and that your work, when you're talking about these issues, these issues, these topics, they are representative in that the people that are talking about them have bipolar. And so I want to know like what that's meant for you building these spaces that are actually of the, of the people that are, you know, that it's living there. this experience right. yeah i think that that's the foremost i mean thing that we did to kind of address the stigma is actually put real people with it right in front of you and there it is and it's like really difficult to have that sort of impersonal uh mm-hmm. you know i mean when i was diagnosed bipolar i was like no you guys are, no, no, you guys have no idea what's going on with me. I'm much more complicated than that. And then, <laughs> and then basically, uh, over this, over the course of like the next like month or two after I got diagnosed in the psych ward, I was like, no, yeah, <laughs> oh no, this is so apt. And it was because honestly, like, um, it was so stigmatized. It was like, I'm scared of being that. People are scared of people who are bipolar, and I don't want people to be scared of me. That's horrible. And I mean, like, kind of want people to be scared of me, but not for that reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so I'm interested in the... What was the development process of this play like? Because this is an original work, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's all original. Um, It started a few years ago. Um, I write a lot of my own material and uh, do a lot of solo work. And then I have two uh, really great artist friends, Jill, Jill Erickson, who is in the show, and Kellyanne Corcoran, who's actually joining the show in two weeks. And we're all about the same age, and we all write about being bipolar. We all do performance uh, surrounding our mental illness. Um, so it was going to be the three of us, and it was I had always had this idea of the play starting in this sort of just fun house way that we're in a beauty pageant. And we are, you know, our names are like Miss Sarah Quell, Miss, you know, our drugs. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of do these like campy interludes. And then there would be these serious first person pieces that we would break out of and then come back together. So that was what I was doing. And they were going to do it with me. And every year at uh, Curious Theater's Rhino Fest, I would pitch. And because I've been in a lot of Curious shows and I've worked at Prop... They would always say, yeah, here's a space. Here's Friday night at eight, you know, great slot. And then I hate to say this, but I think a little bit because we're bipolar, it would fall apart. We wouldn't get our shit together. And, you know, and and it just, it didn't happen. And then the next year it didn't happen. And then this year when I wrote to them, because I would have to say, oh, sorry, take my slot, go find somebody else. I'm an asshole. This year, in my proposal, I wrote, no matter who quits, no matter what happens, I'm doing the show. Mm-hmm. I wrote that. <laughs> and I'm so proud of myself because I was like, you know what? If I have to go on by myself, I- I'm doing the show. And then Kellyanne had to drop out. Mm-hmm. But I was not going to give up the slot. And then I saw Violet. And I was like, holy shit. I'm going to step aside, mm-hmm. give her the lead. So it's, it's, a, it's amazing that it turned out this way. Mm-hmm. Well, and so you said that you were introduced at a show, right? How long have you lived in Chicago? 
like five-ish years cool very same actually um uh what uh has been your experience coming into this this process I was approached at my open mic night, and I had recently come out of the psych ward, and I was still in my denial phase, but I was kind of, like, sharing it just to kind of have an exploratory reaction from people, and <clears throat> see where, where we were, and um, so, yeah, I was, I was kind of talking about it, and then outside, Kelly's just like, hey, we're gonna do a play in February. It's called Bipolar Bitch, Wanna? And I was like, that's a cool-ass title. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and based on solely on the merit of the bad, like the badass title alone, I was like, yeah, let's go. I was so excited you said yes. I was so excited. I was shaking. Because I knew the minute Violet mm-hmm. said yes that this show was going to be amazing. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew it. I was sure of that. And so Violet <laughs> says yes. And I just start to back away because I can, I can be off-putting i i know i can and i thought well as of now she likes me and i'm going to leave before i say something stupid and assholey and she quits i just remember getting away from you before you could form some opinion about me that might change your mind oh my god i mean i know that's happened by now but it's too late (laughs) yeah we're sewn together doesn't matter no i i really like you and i um i'm very judgmental so it was really hard. Um, we're going through a name change right now, and I know that this audience will probably say, that's bullshit, and it is bullshit, but um, we've had a really hard time getting it covered. Yeah. Really, really hard time, and I'm honestly so grateful to you guys because you're the first You're the first organization that I reached out to that actually even wrote back. I, I, I can't even tell you, and I'm, I'm so excited about this, but it's been really hard, and I've tried... Um, we have some great graphics. We have we have a, all this good stuff. And I've been trying to, you know, on Facebook, you can pay like my podcast. I'll pick my target audience. Mm-hmm. I'll pick my budget and I'll promote my podcast. No problem. So I've been trying to promote the play, but because the word bitch is in it, mm-hmm. or maybe bipolar bitch, I'll never mm-hmm. know. I have gone <clears throat> through... A, um, when you send it to committee or you send it to humans that actually go through it, they deny, they deny. We took the words out of bitch and put asterisk and stuff. We put spaces. We did every single way you could try to push it through and we cannot promote it. Nonprofits are not willing to. And I, and that I'm a little more sympathetic to just because mental. There are so many rules. Yeah, and they and I've worked for them, and yeah. they depend on and people all the time donations. Like, and if non-profit. you piss off somebody, that's why. <laughs> no, so many people tell us that we should be a nonprofit, and it's like, no, yeah. we want to be able to do whatever the fuck we want. It's really true. <laughs> like you, you piss off a, a contributor. I mean, you need every ten dollars they're handing you. So yeah. I'm not pissed off about that part. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so. Today, you know, I said, that's it. I'm changing the name. And just being the bipolar person I am, I'm like, it's going to be called Mental Ill Madness Hour with the the Carl Young and the blah, 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 blah. And I'm using like 18 lines of a name. And Violet's like, hey, can you talk? <laughs> I was like running around at work. I didn't even think of the name. I just wrote the name, sent it to everybody, sent it to Larry, said, make me a poster. Let's go. Yeah. And, and Violet's like, how about? <laughs> we just say bipolar beauty and I thought that's so beautiful and such a 
really small shift because we were trying to own bitch as in, yeah, I'm bipolar. I'm a fucking fierce bipolar bit. You know, not like, yeah. yeah, I've been called a bitch plenty of times. But, you know, that whole owning it thing. But when you said, let's just do bipolar beauty, it was it was so perfect. So I'm not upset about the yeah. change anymore. I'm just upset about why. The circumstances. Exactly. Yeah. Well, because I... I, I, I I'm I'm glad that you're that you have that perspective, but I'm I'm frustrated on your behalf mm. because like it should be it should be an artistic choice to want to change the name. You know, it should be like you know like bipolar beauty is like is a is lovely and I and it's and it's a good shift. But the fact that you have to do it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've gotten a lot of I've gotten a lot of pushback and people, you know, telling me not to do it and I'm like, "Okay, I'm the producer." Yeah. And we've been like having 10 people with comps and I know 100% without any reservations that when people come see this show, they will tell other people to come mm-hmm. see it. I need to get them in. Yeah. Mm. No, and I mean like and this is not me saying like don't change the name, like change the name because mm. you need people to come see the show and like and like I'm like we are the first people to be like do what it takes mm-hmm. you know at you know at whatever cost and it, it's and so yeah I'm ugh, what gosh. do you say about the world your puritanical line that I love well it's a Judeo Christian dystopia <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. whenever whenever I just get really upset about not being able to say bitch. Mm. You know, today in this world, well, and it's so... make a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to. I want to touch on something else too, which yeah. I, I, I. The thing that is also very interesting to me, and we've kind of touched on a little bit, but um, the moment that we're living in, we we context context is always very important. I think that we are very much, you know, I'm I'm not remembering if this was on air or before we started recording. But one of the things that you said is that we do live in this world where. People are will, are able to be open with who they are and be able to say these things, um, but you've both kind of mentioned that that you're being comfortable with your experience has been something that you've felt more confident and comfortable with in the last like year or two. Right? Is that do Recent. you think that that's that's uh, like coincidental to your experiences, or do you think that there's something more in in <clears throat> what in what 2019 is is about? Do you think there's a there's a, a degree of like do you think mental health is is easier to talk about now. I mean, I I just have to say that you mentioned earlier, and I don't remember if we were recording or not either, but I know for me, I absolutely could not take one more person saying in my presence, she's so bipolar. Mm. They're so bipolar. And using it as an adjective. And and I would just like, ooh, you know, Mm. I would just be so angry. And when I decided I can't, I just can't like living this life of where I have to self-talk on, I, I mean, I have a psychiatrist, I have a therapist, I have a team of people, you know, keeping me semi-functional, but I still, every day I have to self-talk every day. I have to take 11 pills every day. I have to get eight hours of sleep. Like it's exhausting to take care of myself and be okay. And when I finally said, I'm done, I'm going to come out with this. I'm going to make it educational because that is why I started the podcast, but it's going to be entertaining. And Mm -hmm. I think the podcast is entertaining as I think the show is educational and very entertaining. But the first thing that happened to me after I tell the whole story about my psychotic break and how I was obsessed with this young boy at work. I mean, I tell it all. I lay it out. 
And the first thing that happened to me is people were coming up to me and going, oh, well, I know you and you're fine. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. (laughs) I have told you how hard I work Mm -hmm. to appear halfway fucking okay. Mm -hmm. And you're going to use that to tell me, oh, you don't really, it's not Mm -hmm. that serious. Or I'm bipolar too. And I'm done. Mm -hmm. I say, well, guess what, aunt, aunt Mary. Uh, that was awfully specific. <laughs> I need to tell you that you're not bipolar because you could have not been the success that you were at IBM in the 70s as one of the first female executives uninterrupted without a hospital stay if you were bipolar. It's not a fucking compliment. It's very interesting because promoting the show, I do, I mean, I'm a very, very adept conversationalist when it comes to trying to sneak it around to myself. I'm so good at that. Oh, and <laughs> and when I'm on a podcast and they're just, at, you're just asking me, it's like ugh, shooting fish in a barrel. I love it. Mm-hmm. But the um, um, thing is, is I love talking about myself and I definitely steer it toward bipolar bitch and, and everybody's like, aren't we all a little bipolar? And I'm like, no. No. <laughs> because like w- the way that I like to t- uh, to put it to their face is basically like yeah a lot of people have ups and they have downs but it's really not bipolar until it starts to ruin your life and then you're like they're kind of like oh it's cute hell yeah <laughs> so I wanna I wanna um I definitely wanna continue to talk about like the struggles surrounding the promotion of the show but I also do wanna you know do right by like the work that you've put into yes, the yes, show. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So I'm curious. So I'm. I, wa- I know what I want to say. I know. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so what happened is uh, once I got Violet on board, I completely panicked because everything that I had planned was gone and I had Violet on board. And I was just like, I'm so fucked. Like, <laughs> I have this big talent. I can't. I can't show her that I really don't know what I'm doing anymore because all of my plans were sort of being scrapped, even though they did end up coming back in in many ways. But I have a friend. But every time I thought of the show, I saw it in color and pictures and music and art. And that is not me. That is I am words. And so it was so weird how everything kept coming in colors and images. And I thought of two people that I've worked with in the past, which is Rick Paul, who is just one of the seminal, I mean, he's one of the founders of the whole um, off-loop theater movement. And if you ever want to interview someone who who made this all happen in Chicago, it's Rick Paul. Mm -hmm. He is a really important person in French theater and the beginnings of it. But um, Rick Paul and Diane Hamm, who Mm. is a, um, a... collaborator I have worked with she's mostly been a costume designer but I'd seen some work she had directed and she does everything she does is very visual and she's also a fan dancer she's just you know fascinating Mm -hmm. and Diane and I know knew each other but we weren't really friends but we knew each other and we'd work together and I said I need to talk to you and she said come right now and I went right there to the prop that night And we were sitting in the lobby and I said, I've got this idea and I don't really know where it's headed, but I've got someone amazing um, who's going to star in it. And it's about the bipolar experience and I'm explaining it. And she says, well, I'm reading a lot of Jung right now. And I'm thinking a lot about him and just what it is to be alive, what it is to experience the world. 
And I was like, well, then let's write him in. Let's go. Let's bring Jung. And from there, we just started meeting at Kopi Cafe and just mm-hmm. drawing and making it. And so it was just me, Rick, and uh, Diane. And we and then we brought Violet in. And we would just have all of these meetings, which I just loved those production meetings. You know, mm-hmm. we would just, Violet would sing some of her music. Rick would start talking about images of the sun and and we got the red book out and we started looking at his art and we started using that as the basis for the costumes and it was one of the most creative pre-show planning experiences I've ever had and I didn't feel a lot of pressure for quite a while <laughs> to form anything you know permanent <clears throat> yeah um what I'm curious about is how you went about Pro, I was about to say procuring, as if you 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 Bought. went you went to like a riverbed and 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 <laughs> cast a rod and found a bipolar cast. But I'm <laughs> I'm wondering how how you went about putting out a casting call. Did you just put out a casting call saying no. a bipolar cast, or did it just happen? No, I went. Um, I knew that from Diane. She got me Paul Brennan. And from um, Paul and our friend Zoe, they have they have this sketch comedy group. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're Up Loose, Up Loose Auditorium. That's I think. super familiar sounding. Yeah, they're at mm-hmm. the prop. They're once a month. Um, they're actually they're tomorrow. They're tomorrow night. But anyway, so they have this cast, and Zoe she lives upstairs at the prop, and I've known Zoe for years, and. So Zoe got me Paul, and then Zoe said, I have another guy, Robert. Um, how do you pronounce his P-U-I-G? I believe it's Puig. Puig. Or Puig. We could just keep I think going. when I asked... <laughs> now we'll know if, if Robert ever hears <clears throat> When I asked, he, he said it was either one night, and I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> it's kind of a bipolar Puig's, answer. Puig sounds super Chicago, mm-hmm. I will say. I think he's... I don't even know his ethnicity honestly anyway so um he is in it and zoe is so funny she's like i don't know i mean he is out there and i i said well that sounds good and she pulls up her phone and i guess he gets bored and he just says like hey what are you doing she's nothing and he's like can i come over and can we do skits and he just comes to her house and he just starts doing these characters and they start filming each other that's it. And I was like, I want a friend like that. Like 100%. This is my new friend. And he is way out there and he is wonderful. And, and I'm so glad that I got him. And then who else do we have? We have, who else do we have? Oh, Jill. John. Jill, who was going to be yeah. in the original one. And then I asked Kellyanne and Kellyanne had couldn't because of the first thing, but it's so great because Kellyanne came to see it mm-hmm. and she said, I can't believe I said no. I can't believe I'm not in the show. And so it just turned out that Jill can only do half of the extension. Oh, great. Yeah, so Kellyanne's written all her own material and she's plugging in in a couple cool. weeks. So. Cool. Yeah, so just asking around and then um, when we did the extension, I found out another guy was bipolar and I just walked up to him and I said, Hey, we're doing an extension. Do you want to be in it? And he said, sure. And so now we have another guy and he's great too. So and that's John Klingle. That's John Klingle. Oh, John Klingle knows yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, this is all very interesting to me. And another thing I always think is really, really fascinating is like hearing about what the kind of like sounding board collaborative space has been like, as far as like working with, 
a team and, and how that dynamic works. And I think it's really fascinating, like what it's like specifically with this work with like on that end, on the administrative end of things, like how has, you know, has there, has it been different? Cause like you've mentioned that like, with your past experience and arts admin and things like that, like what has it meant for you that the people that you're working with in this space are, are also that they have bought bipolar. Like, well, what? that's a, sort of a two-sided two-sided coin here because um what the most important thing that's ever happened to me artistically in my life is when I got to play the lead in Sarah Kane's 448 Psychosis with Curious Theater Branch it's absolutely the most important work I ever did and um the thing you know she killed herself in her 20s but she very much one of the things she wanted to do in her life was work with all artists that were mentally ill mm. to do theater with just people with mental illness. And I, I mean, I love her. I just love her. I feel connected to her absolutely right here in this life. And I thought I'm going to do this, Sarah, like I'm going to do this. And so it was always in my mind to do it. And it's being done. That said, it's been really hard harder than I ever would have thought. So while it's been beautiful and amazing, and I think the work is very, very good, and I think the artists are so good, and they've all added so much, not sure it would be a goal I'd want to do anytime soon. Hmm. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, especially the thing that made me think to ask it is hearing how the the conversation around the name change like having that like in that like let's talk about that specifically I guess like how do you think that do you think that you could have had the same experience if your sounding board was not there with you on that do you know what I mean mm. but that's what's the best part I mean the best part is like going to Violet and saying you know you don't even know me you don't know anything about me. When I was producing and when I was successful with Sweetback, Violet wasn't probably alive, but <laughs> definitely not here. But she's just like, bipolar bitch, hell yeah, that sounds good. You know, like that, mm -hmm. that's the best part. And even today when I called her and I said, I really feel like I let you guys down because everyone was telling me to be careful about bipolar bitch because it might, this might happen. Mm. And I said to Violet today, I feel like it's my job. I'm the producer. I let people down. And because I wouldn't bend, that's why we haven't gotten the show going. And I feel bad. And she said, oh, Kelly, 100% because you told me that name. That's why I said yes. And I just, like, that made me feel amazing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, and that's what you get out of this. That, that That's the part that I love. Yeah. And I mean, like. It was very, very interesting, bumpy, sort of surreal uh, process for sure. Uh, and but there's on the on the positive side of things, there's a kind of camaraderie that comes from like everybody's bipolar. Like there were so many behaviors that I witnessed in this group that were so normalized for me. You have no idea. I was just like, oh, good, other people do that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't have to be this freak who does this in my room by myself. I can just be like, hey, listen, I'm really manic right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm nev I never would have done that. I never would have 
divulged where I was emotionally with someone. But now, I mean, with my roommates even, I'll be like, hey, y'all, I'm probably not going to sleep sleep now. I'm not sleeping tonight. I got to keep working on this, you know? Yeah. I'm really manic right now. And I have to have the uh, jargon, to have the the words to describe my internal life all of a sudden at, you know, my age now. It's just... And I did love, like, walking into the theater and just being... Like, fuck, I can't, I can't move this week. I'm so fucking depressed. And people are like, yeah, suicidal week. Yeah. And we're all not like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is suicide. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, fuck, yeah. Half of us are, you know, and everyone's yeah. just doing this check-in and it's totally normal. Yeah. Or, you know, or like one of us is bouncing off and it's really obvious that mm-hmm. one person is re- really agitated and manic and they're not totally noticing it. And they're aggravated and we're all sort of just sitting back because we totally know what's going on. And gently asking if they remember to take their meds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people ask me like every night. It's like people knew because I'm, I, well, Violet, but Violet really behaves. But, <laughs> you know, I was right front and center a lot. And, you know, people would just really say to me, hey, did you take your meds? And often I had forgotten. And I, I never got offended with that group. But if you said to me or oh yeah well i mean or like mike my husband you know or anybody else really besides other people with this said that to me i'd be offended but when they said it i was like oh shit no i didn't yeah Mm -hmm. no that's i deeply i deeply relate to that i was very heavily medicated when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and like if someone else who i knew was also taking medication asked me if i had remembered to take it i'd be like i didn't but like if my brother asked me I would be like, fuck you, yeah. fuck you forever, how dare you, don't yeah. ever talk to me. Is there me. even a word for that level of comfortability? Like, there should be, because that's very cool. I... It's one of the, it's like, it's just like, as a person that, like, that, I hope that that's a thing that more people are able to find ways to find, you know? I, don't, that's... I think what I've learned, and I've learned this a little bit in some other areas of my life, but mostly in Bipolar Bitch, because we have some really, you know, some pretty intense stuff going on and some people choosing not to take meds and that's that's totally your thing i mean i'm not gonna i mean sometimes meds Mm -hmm. just don't work or whatever i don't know but it's what i really have learned is the power of inclusion Mm -hmm. of just saying you're here because you're right for this Mm -hmm. and whatever however you might be falling apart or not functioning in a lot of other areas of your life here all that adds to the situation for us. Mm. And so I do feel a deep love and respect for these artists, but I also know that ironically, it's what makes us better. Social network, being around other people, mm. having to force myself out of bed when I'd rather die and drag myself to the car and go to rehearsal and I hate everyone and I don't want to be there. And an hour <laughs> in, we're like, and what about this? And what about that? And oh my God, you know, and that's what health is. So of course we never cheesily thought of it that way, but that is what it is. You mm. you are with people that understand you and are not going to call you a toxic person that you need to get out of your life. Mm. I this is really fascinating to me because I someone some I think it was even just like some random YouTuber I was watching was talking about the idea of of art as therapy mm. which I think is is a is one thing right but um but I'm curious like for you what has that meant and um what about the 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 degree of like it 
<laughs> I don't want to like like bake this question, so I'm going to ask it, but know that I I, I didn't want to. I'm asking it. Can art replace therapy? No. <laughs> you go first. I'm going to say no. I mean, I think that they can work in tandem, mm-hmm. but I will say, um, I'm I'm a hundred percent about artist therapy, and and I definitely said yes to this project, half because it was so aptly named, and I I couldn't wait to tell people I was going to be in bipolar match to everybody. <laughs> but uh, the other half is absolutely that I could explore this new uh, way of describing my consciousness with. Uh, a more abstract lens uh, than than just thinking about it every day in the practical mundane terms of my existence, you know, mm-hmm. walking around and talking to people. Because it's always been really important for me to express my super deep, really intense emotions with the art that I make, and that's the reason I make it. I mean, if I didn't do the art that I'm doing, I would I would have had exploded. I mean, I'd be dead. And so, like, that's that's really what informed um, my journey on that. The definitely. I think. <clears throat> I think for me, the biggest irony of my life is that the one thing in this world that makes me feel truly alive and awake is is theater. You know, theater has, you know, it, it really did save my life. I had a, you know, fucked up childhood, a lot of bad, bad shit went down. And finding theater and writing is, I, I believe, what pulled me through and gave me purpose and and got me through that. And um, But what is unfortunate is the times, for some reason, art, and for me, art means theater, is when I get manic. So it's just this like sort of cruel reality that when I start doing theater and I get really excited and I'm thinking of all these ideas, it's very easy and I'm on my meds, but it's very easy for me to stay up all night long and think about the play, like that monologue I wrote at the end for the transformation Mm -hmm, scene. mm -hmm. Like I woke up in the middle of the night, like three in the morning and I'm on a ton of Seroquel, like that would kill that would kill a teenager, you know, and I get up and I just start writing and the times that I've ended up in the hospital and had my breakdowns are from theater. And when I was getting well and I had two kids, I mean, I have them, but they're grown. I had kids and I had to have a job because, you know, I'm not, I didn't get a trust fund and all this other stuff. And what? I know, what? <laughs> I'm wondering that too. But what happened is the doctor just said to me, very frankly, you have to take a break from theater. I was producing Freaks, Todd Browning's Freaks, directing and producing it when I had my nervous breakdown and I wasn't there on opening night. You know, I was locked up. And so... It's just this cruel sort of situation where when I get involved in a play, I have to be very, very, very careful because that's the precise moment when things could disintegrate. I was having coffee with Diane and I told her that and I sort of expected her to go like, wow, or okay. And instead she's like, well, I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) She's so pragmatic. She is. She's so like, well, damn, that would be, you know. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Violet, I have a question for you. Um, I know that 
I know that you two met at like an open at an open mic. Mm-hmm. Is your background in musical performance, or do you do you have any experience in theater? Yes, I have a great deal of experience in theater. I've done it pretty much um, since the inception of my meat bag here. Your meat bag. It is uh, like the best phrase. The I've, heard I've done it since really the inception of my meat bag. Hey, Please continue. Yeah, I just love attention more than anything pretty much. Um is is your background more in traditional theater or experimental? I did uh as a combo. I did um the, you know, standard musical theater kind of things in uh in high school. I was funny thing happened on the way to the forum kind of thing and then uh i went to college and i tried to go for music but i cannot play the trumpet good enough well enough to be doing that noise so i went across the uh courtyard to the same day there was theater auditions and i was just like hey i learned this monologue from scrubs (laughs) for my oral (laughs) communications class why don't we give it a shot and then I got in and I kicked ass for like four years. I don't really like acting anymore though very much because I really don't like people telling me what to do at all. And I don't really appreciate the limits of, of what an actor can do. And I can't, I personally, I can't, I, I mean, I, I definitely envy and and respect people who who can use that interpretation and really express themselves through that. And I think that it's a beautiful art form as well. It's just not for me. And I'm, I'm much more about my own journey and story. Um, so much so that I, I mean, this was, this was the perfect project because I was very much myself. You can't be contained. Yeah. You well, can't no. be. And I'm, in the show, you don't have to be. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I do. I went to theater college, and and then I and then I stopped doing theater. And mostly, I had a theatrical bent to my um, musical projects. You know, I have a philosophical underpinning for my band, Doctor Death Crush, where I'm a psychic dominatrix, and I do free exorcisms, and I eat demons with my heart, and things like that. You know, sort of heightened reality um, explorations of of what live music can be is is really where I'm at. It's a lot more fun. So had you... Is this show then largely devised? Very much so. I would call it extremely controlled. I don't like calling it devised Mm. because I was absolutely unforgiving in that I was going to make every final decision. And there was a lot of resentment surrounding that. And it was not... I, I mean, I think you saw that... Um, Violet wrote the music and was totally in control of the music. So we never had any problems because, Mm. you know, you were just doing your thing and we were making it. We seemed to really agree. Well, and on that note as well, I mean, there were so many different avenues that were just covered. You know, Rick is amazing at the set. We didn't have to worry about that. You know, Diane and Robert are amazing dancers. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I think what happened... The reason I don't like saying devised mm-hmm. is because what ultimately happened, the hard part of this, was we had a lot of people that with mental illness. And what is what is mental illness but an illness of behavior that usually impacts communication? That's the definition. Mm-hmm. So we're not having always <clears throat> the best time with communication. And I 100% have those problems every day of my life. And, but I'm producing it, I'm directing it, I'm writing it, this is my baby. And I think a lot of people wanted 
more input and they wanted it to be more of a devised, a traditional devised project where I might be sort of loosely steering it, but I was definitely had my, had the reins. And, you know, while I definitely took stuff, a lot of people were pretty upset. But what I will say that I think is great about the show is I like the P the, the piece is sort of put into three sort of like the psychosis, the beginning, the takeoff, we call it. And then the pinnacle, which is in the shadow self of Jung and the dark side and the suicide. And then we have the transformation. So within those periods, I would say, okay, this is what I need you to write. And then they would go write it and then they would bring it back and we would workshop that. So the pieces that you see the actors speak, it's all their own work. So it's definitely everybody artistically contributed. It's just it wasn't a collaboration and that consensus was not used. Yeah, well, you're a very assertive personality. And I think that uh, a group as amorphous and unfocused as, as sometimes we could be, it was pretty important that you just kind of rein it in and be like, well, no, it's this. You know, rather than kind of having endless discussions about that, and I th it was your idea to begin with, so I think everybody kind of defected to your your choices. But I mean, the other thing too is you were very rational and and in at least accepting my feedback about things. You know, yeah. So I never, we never had any conflict, and yeah. um, and so so much of mental illness, I think, at least how it manifests in me is sort of going home and overthinking everything. So to this minute, I don't really know what happened. Yeah. I know my perceptions of what happened. Like maybe it was way better or, you know, I don't know. I just, some sometimes it was hard. Sometimes mm -hmm. feelings were hurt. I know that. Yeah. So um, I'm curious, what do you think, like, you know, pending the, you know, let's say that the, the, the run, the rest of the run of this extension is like wildly successful. Like, what are your hopes for the future of this ensemble, this project, the idea of working with largely mentally ill performers? Like, where do you see, do you see a, a future in this type of work? Well, I know that there's still a fashion show that needs to happen, like with straight jackets. <laughs> and I'm like, it just, I'm thinking about it every day now. And I just, that has got to happen. And I would love to do just a night. Um, I, I keep thinking of photography and I just think that there's some events that could be put together that I would love to do with this group of people. Also, it's in our mind to do a movie. I mean, we haven't started any work on it, but I really think that this is a movie. I really, really do like nothing traditional in any way. Um, if I can just name drop, please. Mm. Um, John McNaughton, who, um, you know, is famous for Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, came to see it one night and he wrote us this amazing Facebook review. And then I asked him to be my friend on Facebook and he said yes. <laughs> so now we're so close. I'm just kidding. But anyway, he did see that we were posting that we're going to do it again. And he got in touch with Rick Paul. They know each other. You know, I'm um, actually Rick Paul did the set for Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. He worked on that film. But anyway, he said... I'm uh, when are you guys back up? I'm gonna come see it again. And he said, oh, we gotta get this on TV. Now what TV this would look like on TV, I can't even imagine. But the mere thought that someone like him thinks that this needs to move in some other direction is super exciting. Mm -hmm. 
Also, I just think from a representational point of view, it's a really, really important movement that theater's kind of going in mm-hmm. uh, to really employ the community to represent mm-hmm. the community, you know, in a in a really important way. There are so many plays about people <clears throat> that aren't in it. They aren't in the play, you know. Mm-hmm. I saw... Uh, Oh no. Southern Comfort. Yes, yeah, Southern yeah. Comfort. Yeah, and they employed real trans actors to play the trans characters and it was so beautiful. It was amazing. And was... I have to say because I saw that too and it was the first <clears throat> time that play had been done right with mm. the way it was writ- written to be. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean, as I am, you know, kind of having a chip on my shoulder about not enough people showing up, but I feel that way about Southern Comfort. There were about 7 or 8 people in the house that night mm-hmm. and I thought what in the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. It, they had a full band. They had it was Kyra. A I mean, show. Yeah. Kira. The, you know, Kira, sorry. That's okay. Sorry, Kira. Yeah. Well, Daniel. A few minutes left. What's, how are you feeling? I, I, this has been great. Yeah. This has been, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank yeah, you this guys is great. So I love this. Yeah, yeah, it's been really, really, really fantastic. Um, the last thing we, we, that we do with all of our guests is a one minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Sometimes it's very obvious, like letting people know about a run of shows. Um, otherwise, if that were a thing, otherwise, we love hearing <laughs> um, about any shout outs for their folks that are doing dope work um, or any media that you're personally consuming, self care, otherwise, music, movies, TV shows, things like that. Well, I do want to say, please come see Bipolar Bitch. I really think it's a wonderful show and you won't regret it. We play every Saturday night at the Charnel House. And I don't know the address. Fullerton and Kimball, right next to the Burlington in Logan Square. Okay, Fullerton and Kimball, right next to the Burlington. It's $15, or if you say industry, it's $10. Mm -hmm. And, um, okay, Violet, help. Your podcast? Oh, my podcast. Um, my I have a podcast, and it's all about being bipolar, and it's not boring or a drag, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Violet is my newest one. That's just about to go up. It's um, Bipolar Vortex Tales from the Tunnel, and you just go to www.vortexstories.com, and you don't have to sign up or anything. You just click on it and hear it. Nice. Fabulous. And I have a project which is Violet called Violet and it's all caps. And you can check me out on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Title, YouTube, Pandora, or Yandex. You're SoundCloud or Bandcamp. Yeah. All of them. Wow. Can you introduce uh, me to Jay Z? Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it might Finally. just be like an elevator thing, but. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Is that all right? Ooh. Nice work. Nice work. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, fun and good. Uh, I also have a band called Dr. Death Crush, and we're super, super fun. We're also available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Title, YouTube, Pandora, Yandex, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, or you can go to drdeathcrush.com and find all of these things. We have music videos, we have really fun songs, and we do free exorcisms every show. Psychic Dominatrix, who do $5 face slaps. I do a lot of, like, Ooh. in the in during the show domination stuff, which is really fun. And it all happens every first Friday at the Gallery Cabaret. That's 2020 North Oakley, the Western Blue Line stop at 10.30 p.m. after the comedy. And, and if you want to see, like, a more chill version, and if you want to come, like, express yourself with me as well in the Gallery Cabaret stage, you can check it out. It's Magic Freakout every fucking Wednesday 
god damn it at 10 until 2 you get 15 minutes and you can anybody can come in and it's free nice yeah nice Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. <laughs> if you want to keep up with what we are up to, there are so many ways you can do that. The first is to head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We post all of our articles and podcast episodes there. You can also keep up with us on social media on Facebook. We have a Facebook page called Scopy Magazine. We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board, where we talk about local arts, local politics, and astrology memes. We also have a Discord. You can check that out. You can find it in the Facebook group or shoot me a message or something. I'll send you a link. Um, we also are on YouTube under Scopy Magazine. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mags, spelled the same way as the website, S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And you can find the podcast, the one you're listening to right now in most podcast places, including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and Radio Public under Scopy Radio. And I'm here, as always, to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, there are a couple ways that you can do that. The first is to sign up for email blasts. This is huge because even though we post across social media platforms, Facebook buries our content. So if you want to see 100% of what we're doing and not just 30% of it, you should sign up for those email blasts. The second thing you, you yeah, the second thing you can do is become a member. For as little as $2 a month, you can help us pay our artists and keep doing what we're doing. Uh, if you're in a position to do so, there are some cool incentives associated with it. So please give it some thought. Also, we have merch for sale. Ooh. If you head to scopymag.com slash store, you can buy your new favorite shirt, and that is a promise. Also, 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 if you are a business or an entity or just have something fun to say and want to <clears throat> advertise with us, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So, give a little give a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share yeah you've got to keep an eye out for the summer merch i'm so excited Oh, summer merch is gonna be cool yeah uh thank you all so much for listening i know uh go out and make something yep mm.